Thank you for being with us every day on the Real Estate Syndication Show. I've got a gift for you, but I want to ask that you will leave a written rating and review on iTunes. If you'll send a screenshot to info at LifeBridge Capital of that review and a mailing address, I want to send you one of my recommended monthly books. But in most markets, this is who you're really competing against. It may not be the apartment owner across the street that has another pool or something like that. You're really competing with them buying a house. So I like to see exactly how asking prices are going, where the realization, I like seeing when the realization in times like this of sellers is coming in and they're finding out that they can't sell it for what they were going to sell it for eight months ago or whatever it might be. And that's something that kind of trickles down into multifamily because you'll have brokers that give this high price, usually not all, you know, not all. So Charles, we're living in interesting times. The economy has changed pretty dramatically over the last 24 months. There was the sugar high of COVID and and all the money that was parachuting in from every corner of the globe. And now the Fed is kind of dealing with the, the ramifications of that. As I've been browsing through your LinkedIn profile, I've noticed that you've been posting a ton of stuff on the single family market, which is interesting. I find that I, I kind of geek out over some of those same statistics. I'm curious when you're looking at where things are headed, mm-hmm. what are the tea leaves that you're paying attention to? What are the leading indicators that really catch your fancy? I want to see how easy it is for people to buy houses because Sam, I believe you guys are more B class investors as well and all types of B class, I believe. So if you're in B or definitely in A, you're you're dealing with people that can buy houses in most markets, right? Maybe now with interest rates, it's a little different. But in most markets, this is who you're really competing against. It may not be the apartment owner across the street that has another pool or something like that. You're really competing with them buying a house. So I like to see exactly how asking prices are going, where the realization, I like seeing when the realization in times like this of sellers is coming in and they're finding out that they can't sell it for what they were going to sell it for eight months ago or whatever it might be. And that's something that kind of trickles down into multifamily because you'll have brokers that give this high price, usually not all, you know, not all, but you'll have brokers or agents giving them a high, you know, price in their BPO. And then when they actually dig into it, they find out that a few months later, hey, we really have to discount this and all this kind of stuff to sell it. And I think when that starts happening, it trickles through from residential into multifamily. But it also shows that now when you're doing rent increases, when you have it, this might be an area where you're going to have maybe increased vacancy. If it's easier in your market of where this property is, where your property is located for people to buy, they might buy instead of re-up, you know, renewing for another year with you. Yeah. One of the statistics that you posted recently that I found out very interesting was the median asking price. If you had asked me to bet, I would have said that that would be down just because of interest rates and everything. But it was actually up almost 3% year over year for January of 2023. You know, But simultaneously, I think part of that is because we're seeing listing numbers go down as well. I was yeah. looking at some other statistics on my own that were showing that inventory is down year over year in some places by 20%. I just think that's a very interesting factor. I attribute that to people not moving as much. You know, the, the great resignation has kind of passed. People are a little bit more worried about their employment future. They're not as willing to pull up stakes in large part because of interest rates and just general doom and gloomism from MSNBC or some of these other channels. But I'm curious, what are your thoughts when you see some of those statistics? You're right on, Sam. But I also think one thing to add to that is the interest rates. If someone, I have a family member that locked in something like two years ago for like 2.75, they're not moving. You know what I mean? So because the price that they paid for the property, 
you know, their payment is was done and how it was kind of subsidized the pricing of what they overpaid for it by the cheap debt. So the thing is that they can't get that. It's not assumable. So they can't sell that debt. Yeah, you can do all the sub two, but most people aren't going to do any of that stuff. So it's like that can't be transferred to the new property, right? It's not like us where we can have something that's assumable and now you can sell it and still get a little bit of a better price if you have a low interest rate on your mortgage. You know what I mean? With certain like agency lenders and stuff, but that's not something you do with residential. So I feel a lot of people are sitting, you know what I mean, where they are now, staying where they are until they might see that prices come down a little bit more, where they can move kind of more lateral into another property that's maybe bigger, where they're getting a discount on the price that's going to match the discount that they got on the debt. So that's one reason I believe. It's been interesting too. In some of the markets that have the highest listing drops, there are also areas that have some higher short-term rentals. Mm -hmm. And that market has been, it was really the it thing back a year ago, six months ago even. And then that story seems to have turned, although Airbnb's earnings came out really strong today. I'm curious how that will impact the single family market because so much of that short-term rental was based on, you know, a good regulatory environment, travel continuing, mm. and then generally, you know, rents and occupancy being high. If that were to change in a down economy, I'm curious how that sector will survive and if that will have a meaningful trickle over into single family and multifamily patterns. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a very interesting fact because it might be where if you have Airbnbs that are houses, they might be, you might consider them starter homes. Someone moving from your B class apartment made into that. So if those are not Airbnbs anymore, those are now being probably put on the market because maybe someone purchased that years back. And the only way that they could cover the mortgage wasn't by 12 month lease, but was by a short term rental model. So they still made money on it, probably keeping it for so many years. And now they're just selling it for to a homeowner. So there's a number of different ways this can go. But I just, I really feel that we're, you know, the interest, I think you have the prices haven't come down enough to make up for where the interest rates were years back. So yeah, purchasing power has still been negatively impacted for sure. The bearish case for commercial real estate or multifamily real estate in 2023 is. Why don't you tell me, Sam? I guess, I mean, <laughs> I, I was reading some, I was reading some stats this morning saying that, you know, we're talking about residential. I know you just asked me about multifamily. And, you know, there was one that was saying that Q1 2024 is supposed to be the low point for this pullback, what they say. I don't know how true that is, but I think that you're going to have more and more sellers. And like we were talking beforehand, you know, we haven't been getting that many deals under contract, under LOI, even getting the best and final, like you were saying. And it's something that, you know, we're still waiting for a lot of sellers to come to terms with interest rates, which interest rates aren't going to be going back down to what they were. Maybe they'll go up another half percent or percent and then come down another percent. But it's something that they kind of have to come to that realization. And that's going to make more of these properties move. And I think if someone bought in the last three or four years, they've already made money. So I think that's easier. I think it's going to be a little harder for people that are coming off, like you were talking about earlier, the bridge debt, and they didn't maybe have interest rate caps, and they're kind of struggling for that refinance that really isn't happening. That stuff, I think, is going to be coming on the market too, in one way or another, because I think banks are going to tighten up. And I've already seen it with local banks on even smaller levels with some investors I talked to here in Florida. Yeah. Conversely, in a more positive direction, the bullish case would be soft landing, what we're doing there and saying, you know, maybe we have maybe interest rates go up like another quarter percent, then come down another point and a half over the next year or something. I don't know. I mean, and we settle somewhere in, you know, 10 years settle somewhere in like the the mid threes, you know what I mean? 3%. I don't know, something like that. 
But I don't think they're going to go that much higher. Depends on how inflation goes and everything like that. And to you know, see if they keep on putting on the brakes. But I mean, once it really slows down, you can't just turn it back on. We learned that about everything with the economy going through COVID. And we thought, oh, we can just turn back on all these things. Well, that's not really a thing. Are you a real estate syndicator or professional who is looking to grow your business in 2023? Are you tired of attending networking meetup after meetup and thinking that there has to be a better way? Have you ever thought about podcast guesting? According to Statista, podcasts are going to reach over 100 million listeners by 2024. Podcast guesting allows you to tap into that network of listeners. At Podcasting You, they have worked with hundreds of investors to secure guest placements on thousands of podcasts so they can raise more capital, generate brand awareness, and increase their credibility. If you're interested in learning how podcast guesting can help grow your real estate business in 2023, Go to podcastingu.com forward slash syndication to book your free discovery call. Yeah, even inflation, as much as we've talked about it and it's been studied, it's very poorly understood. And there's a lot of the toothpaste is out of the tube. I'm not sure we can get it back in. We certainly aren't going to do it by scooping it up and pushing it with our finger. So it's interesting that you had mentioned soft landing. I can't decide in my own mind, what would be more helpful for multifamily real estate if we had a soft landing? Because that probably means higher rates for longer versus maybe a little bit of a sharper burst of pain, but that results in interest rates coming back down. It's kind of an interesting thought experiment. Pain is never a fun thing to wish on society as a whole. So I'd probably root for a soft landing, but there possibly is a case to be made that that might actually be a little bit more challenging for those of us that, especially folks that bought with bridge debt that are trying to refi in the next 18 months. Yeah, that's a great point. One thing you said about the CPI just before that is like, it's very, it's not understood, but it's also highly manipulated. So I think that's what? something too, what? <laughs> <laughs> especially around housing. So it's something yeah. like that. But I'll tell you one thing, when I bought in the, I bought a house, I bought a single family or I bought a small multi, it was three unit in the end of 06, six and a half interest rate. I bought one at the end of 08, five and a half interest rate. I refinanced both of them mid 2010 for four and a quarter. So interest rates come down pretty fast. And that's one thing that they have, the government has. They can spend and they can change the interest rates. And I think it's something that if they put on the brakes too much and raise them up, I mean, it's just going to come down faster. We'd be completely wrong on that, but it's just something that I feel that we saw it before. And that's, you know, coming down 1% a year over those, over those times, half percent a year. And I mean, that, it was their way of getting the economy going again. Uh, it is interesting just how much power is in the government's hands when it comes to the economy. I mean, the interest rates really move things significantly. We can argue all day whether that's a good or a bad thing. But the, the reality is that's where we live in this moment in time. And so we need to make sure that we're adjusting our tactics accordingly. You've hinted at your tactics a little bit along the way, you know, always swinging on the acquisition front, maintaining consistent underwriting standards. What are some important factors when you're underwriting deals today that are kind of non-negotiable? Is Are you really locked in on fixed rate debt? Are you willing to consider floaters now that we think we're on the higher end? Walk me through some of those things that would make a good business plan come together for you and your group coming into 23. I mean, I'm more open to floating debt with, I think, where we are, obviously with rate caps. You know what I mean? And I would say... Two years, three year rate caps are very expensive, but you know, you want to go and be, make sure it can pencil. The last deal we did was fixed. You know what I mean? So it's something that 
you know, we're, we're still doing that. As I tell you one thing, I'm doing something else, but I would look at it coming in. But the other thing is that not looking for heavy value ads, I'm looking for light. And that's been kind of an, that's been something that we've been working on over the last year or two. And then also not buying any C-class stuff. We deposed, uh, disposed of everything except for one property in C-class. And I think going forward, it's really just going to be focusing on B, uh, B minus and above, let's just say. And you know, that's much better when you're getting into these types of times because the C class renter, I was reading an article. Uh, you know how I love articles and data. It was like average C class tenant has like less than $400 in savings. So just think of that if you're renting even a thousand dollar a month apartment. I mean, one week of them not having a job or having their hours cut will dramatically delay when you're getting paid because you know it's you're going to rent, it's going to get paid late. Nothing else, right? Netflix is still getting paid on time. So it's just something that you have to take in consideration. And it's really important to know that when you're renting it. And that just goes hand in hand with buying in better areas, which I think most people listening to this podcast understand that. But if anybody's new out there, that's like the big thing because you go through these times like this and these classes that aren't B minus or above, I mean, they really don't have the savings. And it's terrible. It's terrible to hear, but we read all this stuff about 60% of people can't cover an expense and all stuff. You know, you don't want someone paying rent that has to do it by going to the payday loan. And so it's very important that, you know, buying better areas and I would avoid major renovations. It's uncanny. We have much the same strategy. We've done a lot of C-class over the years and it's been very good. We've bought in mm-hmm. Colorado, especially, which has been a fantastic place to own. But moving forward, we're stepping into some more Midwestern markets and stepping up. Yep. And so like the deal we're under, we're getting ready to do right now is relatively new. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's straight from the developers. So that, you know, there's things like that, that you can really lower the risk. The top line return might not be quite as sexy, but man, the floor is a lot higher. And anymore, I, th- I think educating investors on the importance of that high floor and just thinking in terms of not overall return, but what's your risk adjusted return? And do you have your eyes open to all the risks going into, let's call it a heavy value add? I think that people are going to learn a lot of valuable lessons over the next 24 months as we see some of these business plans not really come together in a way that's going to salvage the deal. And then you're going to see a lot of what you're talking about. I think that's going to be a way to, even if the downside is like 10% IRR over a five-year hold, that's still relatively decent and and chances are you'll be in the low teens. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I was just about to say, that. I mean, it's like, it's still, even if you're getting that 10, 12% IRR or whatever it is, I mean, what's your, even a great savings account is paying you three something. So it's this way you're really getting up there with inflation and making a little bit above inflation. And I think that's the only way of doing it. And I personally rather make 10 or 12% on keeping it invested and you keep all your tax benefits as well going. That's another big thing people have to know about compared to just leaving it in the, in the bank account. So. Well, as we wrap up here, Charles, what's a habit that you do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that's contributed to your success? I have a number of different websites that I review on a normal basis. And it's also for our newsletter at Harborside Partners. But I love sharing different things and facts, as you know, Sam. And so that's one thing is just keeping up and reading all different types of news sources from ones that lean both ways. And then dissecting when you read article headlines, you're not, you know, I'm getting caught in that clickbait, but you're reading it and you realize that this has nothing to do with what this article really says it is. And I, you know, I, I hear something, I was reading something that was like, Oh, rents have you know decreased, and it was like talking about like New York City, where rents had gone from like forty five hundred to like forty two hundred or forty four hundred, and you're like, oh, really interesting. That's that has nothing to do with my business, and I mean, it's it's just like this, just clickbait stuff. So you have to really read into stuff, and that's kind of what I like to do, and kind of really realize what's happening. 
Fantastic. Well, if folks want to learn more about what you're doing, maybe they want to subscribe to your newsletter and get on the tips and tricks bandwagon. Where can they reach out to you, Charles? Thanks, Sam. So our company is harborsidepartners.com. So you can go there and you can sign up for our newsletter. We have past investing guide and feel free to sign up for our investor club if you're interested and get on a call with myself or one of my partners. Fantastic. Charles, thanks for joining us today. Thank you to our listeners for joining us on another episode of the Real Estate Syndication Show. I'm your host, Sam Rust, signing off. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 